0: All right, church, if you have your Bibles, if you would, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We are not done singing. You all right with that? Say amen. amen. We are not done celebrating. But it's my awesome, I have the awesome responsibility of spurring us on with the truth from God's word. Today we anchor ourselves. Today we have no singing lest God's word reveal to us why it is we've come here. And so this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Confidence in gospel certainty. We're on this. Confidence in gospel certainty. Say certainty. Certainty. What gives you certainty? For a lot of people, I'm sure the answer is very simple. I'm, I'm super certain of the things I experience. I'm super certain about that which I can see with my own eyes. That which I can touch with my own hands. That which I've experienced myself. If there's one thing our culture today doesn't dispute very often, it's somebody's personal experience. It's like hands off. What are we certain of? We can all finish this sentence. Come on, seeing is, seeing is, seeing is believing. Don't you wish it was that easy, by the way? (laughs) Don't you wish it was that easy? Don't you wish seeing was believing? I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of things that I see in this world today that I don't believe. There's a lot of things that I lay my eyes on. There's a lot of things that I read. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of videos that people send me that I'm like, what the world are you talking about? I wish we could just simply say, seeing is believing. But listen, friends, on the other hand, there's this truth. There's a lot of things that I would not, I have not been able to see until I believed. Seeing might be believing for some, but I'm telling you, friends, the Bible is going to meet you in this place this morning. There are certain things you won't see until you believe. The late Billy Graham famously asked this question, have you seen God? That's right. Not with my own eyes. You keep talking back to me a whole service, we'll keep preaching all morning. Come on, you and I together. Say amen. You got me. Can you see God? He says, have you ever seen him? Can you just hear his voice right now? Come on. I've never seen God, but I know he exists. Then he says this, I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. You see, friends, in this respect, there is a mystery to it. And while the phrase seeing is believing is helpful when it has its place in certain circumstances, again, friends, we come back to this. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. It's called faith, Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that which is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Come on. That which is unseen is by faith. Faith is a gift. God opens our eyes. You remember Jesus' words to Thomas when he said this. Thomas, come on. You have believed because you've seen the scars on my hands? You believe because you've seen? Let us not forget that Jesus did offer him even to touch those wounds, but Thomas said, I'm good. You've seen and you believe, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. That's you, church, say amen, that's you. Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet they still believe. And here's the deal, and so today, while I have never seen with my own eyes the risen Jesus, I look across this room and I see the effects of a risen God. Friends, we, his church, we stand as the clearest, visible evidence and effect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years later, people are still dying for the truth of a resurrected Christ. See, we've never seen God, but we've seen the works of God. We've never laid eyes on a resurrected Christ ourselves, but we've seen many lives resurrected from a sinful death. Are you one? Is that you? Today our eternal future is staked on this. Today, our eternal future is staked on this. For I delivered to you, the Apostle Paul writes, of first importance, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, and then to the Twelve, and then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, Paul writes, though some have fallen asleep and have died. But now, this, He also appeared to James, and then to the rest of the Apostles. There are those who saw the risen Lord. Unless we forget, let us find confidence in this truth. Those who saw the risen Christ in that day, they went on to live their life for the one they saw. But not only did they go on to live their life for the resurrected Jesus, they, go, they went on to give their very lives defending what they saw. Why? Because Jesus is risen. Why? Because he rose from the dead. Friends, listen, why would you give your life for a lie? Why? Why? You would not. And so even the suffering and the martyrdom of the church today, even the blood spilt of Jesus, which led to the blood spilling of those who believed over the centuries, in all of this we find great confidence today that our Lord is alive. Why did they give all? Because they were certain in the resurrection. Why are you here today? I hope it's because you're certain in the resurrection. Oh, come on, down with cultural cultural traditions, this is what we do. Down with this is where I go once a year. And if this is your first time back in church in a real long time, we are so glad that you're here. And we're not harping on you at all. But what I hope today is that this flame is fanned inside of you. Is that today you would recognize that, come on, if this is true, God's got more for me. God's got more for you. God's got more for us. And so today what we have right in series with 1 Thessalonians is actually a resurrection text. Can you? How good is the Lord? Like the very next passage in your Bible that we are studying together is going to deal with our hope in a resurrected Christ. And so today we find certainty in the resurrection. When we find certainty in the resurrection, we have hope in two ways. Certainty in the resurrection gives us a hope-filled foundation. And certainty in the resurrection gives us a hope-filled future. So come on, church, if you're ready to find some hope this morning, just say, let's go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's read this text together. Chapter 13, chapter 4, verse 13, pardon me. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep and who have died. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. Resurrection text. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. Now this, the dead in Christ, will rise first. Then we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet our Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, friends, come on, encourage one another with these words. Certainty in the resurrection gives us confidence, gives us hope, gives us a hope-filled foundation. You need not fear death. Confidence in the resurrection gives you a hope-filled future. You need not fear death. But if we're honest, few things shake us, like the fear of death. Few things rattle our cage more swiftly, and nothing jostles us more violently than Diagnoses and untimed phone calls. And news reports. Here we see the Thessalonians, like so many of us, coming to the Apostle Paul and just asking the simple question, just a simple question I think many in, in this world have today. Essentially, what are what are the Thessalonians asking Paul? What happens when we die? More specifically, they're asking this what happens to those we love when they die? You look back at the text, what is the, what is the answer that, that Paul's giving? What's the question that he's answering? It's this Will we see those we love again? You may be like, wow. Come on, somber note on Easter morning. Where is this coming from? Why why all of a sudden this question from the Thessalonian church has been pretty, pretty high and pretty encouraging up to this point? Well, remember this. The church is filled with new believers. Paul planted this church. Paul had only been there for about three weeks to three months. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, and then he taught them as much as he could. Before a riotous crowd rose up and drove him and his followers out of town. And while Paul was there, he preached, he preached, he preached the saving gospel of Jesus Christ to them. They had this foundational truth, that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He died a painful death on the cross. He was buried, he rose again three days later. And if for those who believe in him and confess of their sins, they too shall be saved. The newness of life is in them. But there was a second truth that Paul apparently hammered home to the Thessalonians, and that was this. If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you too will rise one day. If you believe that Jesus Christ died from the dead, know this, Jesus will come back for you. Come on, church, we gotta preach this a little more. The world thinks we're crazy enough to believe that a man rose from the dead. Now we got to get loud about this reality. We also believe we may not die. I don't think you all realize how crazy you are up in here. Either you read your Bible and you believe what it says or you don't. He's saying, look, if you believe that Jesus died, know this, Jesus will return for you one day. This truth was such a core truth that Paul was teaching. This was such a core truth in the apostolic faith. Listen, listen, listen. Four times in this letter already, Paul reminds them of this return. 1 Thessalonians chapter one. In chapter one, he says this, and we wait for his son from heaven. We read right past these things so often. We wait for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Chapter 2, verse 12, what do we read? We exhort each one of you and be encouraged and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who's going to call you into his own kingdom and glory one day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, then verse 19, he writes this, For what is our hope and our joy and our crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? You getting the theme? And so that he, chapter 3, verse 13, so that we may also establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming, at the coming. Just say coming. At the coming of our Lord Jesus with with all his saints. Friends, come on. They believed as we should. Jesus Christ is coming back. Say amen. Amen. Jesus Christ is coming back. And they believe this. That coming back was imminent. They believed that the return of Jesus Christ could happen at any moment in their lifetime. Do you believe that? I hope you believe that. You've heard me speak many times fondly of my grandfather who Took me to church and helped anchor my faith in the Lord so many times over and over again. And I remember people would say to my grandfather, You know, we're all going to die. And I just remember his words. I could hear him plain Not necessary. He never got the Lee out at the end. Not necessary. I mean, it could be like a stranger on the street. It could be a a conversation he overheard, like he's butting in. We're all gonna die. Not, Not necessary. Jesus Christ could return. I remember one of the shocking things about the moment my grandfather died for me was this. He did not necessarily expect to go that way. You see, friends, we need not fear death, but some of us think that death is the only thing that could cause us to be separated from Christ forever. Note this, he could return, and if you're not ready, that could too. Wow. And so the church here is asking this question of Paul, and they simply want to know, listen, we believe you, Paul, that Jesus is coming back. But you see in their mind's eye, they had this idea that Jesus was coming back and then things would just continue right on. And so they were saying, well, if that's the case, if Jesus is coming back and he's coming back to those of us who are living here, like what happens to the people who have died? Are they going to miss out? I love Paul's response. Look at verse 13. In essence, he's like, it's a good question. And I don't want you to be uninformed, friends. I don't want you to be unaware about this. This is a great question. I know we didn't get there before, before I got run out of town. And so I'm so glad you guys are raising this question now. Timothy's brought back your question to me. Let me answer your question now. Here it is about this, about this, about those who've fallen asleep, which, by the way, those who've passed away, those who've died. I have got great news for you. You don't have to grieve. You don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. You don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. You need not fear death. You need not fear your own death or your loved ones who die knowing Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Why? Look at verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus Christ rose, died and rose again because of Easter, because of Resurrection Sunday, because of what we are celebrating today, we don't have to grieve like those who have no hope text goes on and says, even so, though through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Because Jesus rose from the dead, so will you. It's just that simple. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead one day, if you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you die before Jesus returns, you will raise from the dead. As sure as Jesus rose, Christians... One day you'll rise. That's what your Bible teaches. Just as Jesus rose, so will those who believe in him. Friends, because of the resurrection, we have victory in Christ. Because of the resurrection, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, rings in our ears, let us be of good courage. What do we know? We know that rather... To be away from the body, to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. The moment you die in Jesus Christ, you are in the presence of God. Your body is buried, but your spirit is alive with him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you die before your body ever touches the ground, your spirit is already in the presence of God. You see, friends, you have a hope filled foundation. You need not fear death. But God created you, God knits you in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so, what's to be done with your frame? This body is perishing, it's ravaged with sin but one day it will be made new because of the resurrection of Jesus. That's what this passage is teaching. Because of the resurrection, we have a hope-filled foundation, which leads to this now, a hope-filled future, point two. Because of the resurrection, you have a hope-filled foundation. You don't have to be tossed to and fro, nor fear death, for God has you. God has got you. Jesus Christ has gone before you. He's already paved the way and the place to where he is to go. But now this, you don't have to fear the future either. You need not fear death, nor need you fear his coming. You need not fear death, nor need you fear his coming. Why? This passage goes on to talk about a theological word called the rapture. When's the last time we talked about this in church, friends? Easter Sunday rapture message. Rapture, Latin word, rapto. The word itself, obviously Latin, not in the text here, but the concept is caught up, seized, snatched away. Friends, because of the resurrection, Jesus Christ is going to keep his promise. To be saved is to embrace all that Jesus claims and all that Jesus proclaims and all that Jesus offers. And to hope for all that Jesus promises as well. Remember what he said to his disciples? John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. As he was getting ready to go under the cross, he said to his disciples, what? Let not your hearts be troubled. Look, you believe in God, now come on, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many wombs. Many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have come to you and told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will, I will, I will. Say I will. I will come again. I will come again. And I will take you to myself that where I am, you will be also. Come on, friends. Let me say it loudly. Jesus Christ is coming again. When? We're all before the day of the Lord, which we're going to study next week. Prior to the great tribulation, which we'll study in the future, before the day of judgment, Jesus Christ is coming again to rapture his church. And Paul's making the point it could happen now. I believe... And I encourage you to study that nothing more needs to happen for this to occur. The stage is set. History is poised. Is the earth not groaning, as the scripture says? Are we not going on and groaning as in laborious pains, as the scripture says. Can you not look around at the world today and recognize that we are craving, that we are longing, that we are seeking, that we are, just, Lord, please come. Lord Jesus, please come. Is the earth itself not crying out? Could you not almost hear it with your own ears, this longing, this cry? This text is powerful. Here's how it's going down. You ready? Verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, Paul writes. That we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord. If you're alive when Jesus returns, this is what the Bible says is going to happen. We will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Paul writes and he says, this truth is from God that we we should all be prepared. The word coming here, by the way, the word coming here speaks of the entry point into a town or to a city or or into a nation of that of a dignitary. How does a dignitary enter? Does he kind of sneak in? Come on, he's coming in loud. He's coming in hot. He's coming in strong. You're not going to miss this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Friends, listen. Jesus himself will descend with an audible disruption that will shake the earth. What's gonna be a part of this audible disruption? Look at the text. The cry of command. Is it the voice of Jesus? We know this much, there'll be the voice of an archangel. Will it be Michael, spoken of in Jude chapter 9? Someday we'll know. The cry of command, the voice of an archangel, then this, the trumpet of God. The trumpets, the trumpet, the trumpet of God. But here, not a, not a trumpet of judgment. That trumpet one day will sound. But what is this? What is a trumpet, What does a trumpet declare all throughout? The presence of God is here. And the trump declares the presence of God, and God will descend. Will these sounds happen sequentially? Will they happen all at once? We do not know, but one day we'll find out. But what do we know for sure? Jesus will come forcefully, and he will come dramatically. Are you ready? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now this verse 17. You know what I love here? I love how Paul gives no defense of this. He's just declaring it like, because you should know. Because you should know. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Now verse 17, then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. We will always be with the Lord. Amen. Let us, it says, let us therefore encourage one another with these words. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, another resurrection is coming. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, another resurrection is coming. Because you're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, I'm going to pray with all I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe that you're here because you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you believe He died for you and, be, and He was buried, and he rose again three days later, and that you will be part of this great triumphal gathering that will happen in the clouds of glory. Because of the resurrection, you and I can have confidence of another coming resurrection. We need not fear death. Nor need we fear the future. Our hearts can be filled with hope. We can watch on for the day that we one day will all be united with Jesus. But friends, what's our charge in the meantime? What's our charge in the meantime? Keep looking up some of us have allowed our eyes to drift some of us have allowed our eyes to fall some of us are staring a little too down too often and what what do we have what do we have we have this keep looking up cast your gaze put your eyes to the sky because then one day the scripture is preaching one day the skies will rent No matter what we face, we will keep looking up. No matter what the world says, we will keep our ear to the ground. We will listen closely for the trump to sound. Friends, we will long for the day when the dead in Christ will rise. The trump will sound and we will meet the Lord, our Savior, in the air. A great tribulation will fall over the earth. That's what your Bible teaches. A great tribulation will fall over the earth, and for this you will be spared if you believe. Are you ready? Are you living like you're ready? Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 you're not ready just because you say you're ready not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven will on the great day of judgment on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You're not ready simply because you say you're ready. The evidence of true belief is not merely a verbal confession although it begins there for we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ came and lived died on the cross was buried and rose again if we can believe in our hearts we have to confess with our mouth the scripture says and in this we will be saved for in the heart one believes, and with the mouth one confesses. And to this the Lord counts it as righteousness unto you. You see, friends, today, 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 I want you to leave with an assurance. I don't want just another Easter Sunday to pass where you come and you see and you and you hear and you sing and we we celebrate and we we kind of go out the doors and then we kind of let it pass by and we come back after it again. Today we have hope. Today you can have hope. Today you need not fear death. Today you need not fear the future. You need not wonder what the Bible teaches says about what's going to come in the days to come. God has you in his grip, and he's brought you here to this very moment that you can cast yourself before him. For what is the evidence of true salvation? This, Lord God, you are my Savior, and you are my Lord. Your Holy Spirit floods my soul. No greater joy than this. John says there's no greater joy than this than to know that my children are walking with the Lord. No greater certainty than this, but knowing that you are walking with the Lord. And so, Father, we celebrate today this truth. Father, we're eager and we're anxious and our hearts are full of anticipation and joy and praise. And God, now in this moment, I pray that we would also, God, allow our hearts to be full of hope, certainty, conviction. That God, your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth and lived his perfect life, died a painful death, was buried in the grave and then rose three days later. God, we are grateful that there is so much to this story. Easter continues on to this day. We are evidence of resurrection proof. Lives have been resurrected and transformed in this place and all around the globe. God, would you make it happen again today? God, would you save the souls of men, women, and children in this room today? God, would you make this a celebration day? Would you make this a resurrection day for them? Oh, friend, now right where you are, pray, ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. Tell him you believe and that you long to believe and you want him to be the Lord of your life and that you long to spend eternity with him. And now, believer, Those of us who've celebrated many Easters, would you allow your heart right now to be captured and captivated by the wonder of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Would you let your mind and your heart go to that moment, that time when one day... You will be caught with the Lord. You will be with Him. You will be in His presence. You will be gathered with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be with those you loved, those who've passed on before you. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have this hope we will see them again. Oh, but what will our attention be most captured by? Jesus. Exclusively Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. Oh, what joy! will flood our soul. Father, this is our hope. This is our foundation. We need not fear death. Your son rose. Father God, this is our hope. We need not fear the future. You have it secure. One day you will gather your church and we will be with you. We thank you for these truths this morning, God. They spur us on now in our worship together. We praise you and we respond now in song. In Jesus' name we pray.